The best and brightest physicians choose to work at Boston Medical Center. And now it's time to hear what they're saying. This is Boston Med Talks. Here's Melanie Cole. 90-90-90 treatment target to help end the spread of AIDS is the idea that by 2020, 90% of people living with HIV will know their status. 90% of people who know their status will be on antiretroviral therapy, and 90% of the people on that type of therapy will achieve viral suppression. My guests today are Dr. Cassandra Pierre. She's a specialist with Boston Medical Center's General Infectious Disease Practice. And Paul Goulet, he's the program manager for the Special Linkage and Retention Team, ARCH Team, at the Center for Infectious Disease at Boston Medical Center. Welcome to the show, both of you. So, Dr. Pierre, what's going on in the world in regards to HIV and AIDS today? Discuss a little bit about the remarkable success we've had over the past two decades in reducing HIV-associated morbidity, mortality, transmission. You know, kind of give us a little summary of what's going on. Good morning, Melly. Thanks for having me on. You know, um, the past few decades have really been a remarkable time in seeing a lot, uh, an explosion in the number of safe, and easily tolerable medications that patients can take. You know, in the pre-antiretroviral era, we saw that people who were diagnosed with HIV had about a 12, 12 and a half year life expectancy. And now, people living with HIV and AIDS are expected to live a life expectancy similar to that in the place that they live. For example, here in the United States, our average life expectancy is around 78 years of age. And we expect that many of our patients will live to that age and maybe longer with the medications that we have. So we're seeing a significant decrease in mortality. We're also seeing an improvement in morbidity, so less diseases, less chronic illnesses. However, with longer lives our patients are are leading, we are seeing some things that we hadn't seen before, more cardiovascular disease, for example, higher rates of cancer. And so it's important for our patients to remain well-connected to us in care, even if their viral loads are suppressed. One really exciting thing I just wanted to mention, um, you asked about transmission, is that the more people we get on medication, the more people we get depressed on antiretroviral medication. We are now seeing that people, for people who are undetectable, it is becoming virtually impossible for them to transmit the virus to their sexual or needle-sharing partners. And in some places, we're calling that U equals U or undetectable equals untransmittable. And that's really exciting. What it means is that getting people depressed is going to halt further transmission of HIV. And Paul, what do you see as some of the major challenges that still remain for young people having that conversation about AIDS and HIV status? Are they still asking these questions and discussing this topic? Well, I think it's, I come from a, I'm HIV positive myself, and I've lived through 35 years, going on 36 years of being an HIV positive male. Um, and for a long time, I was doing a lot of, I was having a lot of conversations with young adults. Um, and it's just really interesting to sort of see the history, uh, or should I say the lack of history that young adults have about the AIDS epidemic and sort of the statistics that have happened of people who passed away, uh, people who struggled, struggled with severe illness. So they have that conversation today needs to be really framed in a different way because I think a lot of youth don't have that experience, don't have never lived in that age when they saw their friends pass away with 
uh, with being really sick. So I think a lot of the times now it's really an interesting conversation to have because I think in our youth, as you know, when all of us were younger, we always thought that we were indestructible and nothing was going to bother us or we were going to live forever. But the conversation is really different now. I think the conversation is about having really an honest conversation with youth at a young age about, um, you know, the transmission of sexually transmitted diseases, um, such as HIV and other diseases. Uh, and in that context, uh, one of the things that I've really found interesting is uh, in my conversations with young adults today, um, it, they just think, oh, I just have to take a pill and I'll be fine. So it's really reversed the conversation. It's almost become, because uh, HIV has become a chronic manageable disease, a lot of younger folks don't think that it's anything that they really need to talk about because there's medication that takes, you know, that takes care of it. But on the other hand, the young folks who are talking about HIV and AIDS, they don't have the experience of someone from long ago. So it's really a, uh, it's really a different conversation. Paul, do you think that there that there's a, still a stigma when you do have these conversations or when you tell people about your status? Do they recoil? Do they look like they feel sorry for you? Is there still some sort of a stigma that you can tell us about? There is absolutely a stigma, and we see that stigma as an intake um, uh, coordinator here, as the intake manager, as the program manager. Uh, one of the first people that people see is that comes to see, uh, I'm sorry, people come to see me, um, and I do all the intakes for people who are newly diagnosed, people who are transferring their care, or people who are reengaging in their care. Um, and we're finding, I'm finding that a lot of people, especially from other countries, uh, and other populations, um, uh, there's a very high, high rate of stigma. Uh, people don't want to talk about their status. There's religious issues. There's social issues. Um, so I don't think we've done a really good job at helping to, um, to sort of tear down the walls of stigma. I'm always a person who says if we keep hiding our status, then we are creating our own stigma. We need to normalize um, that this is just an another uh, another illness, just like some other illnesses that can be treated just as well. So I think the stigma, there's still a large, large degree of that um, happening in the world today. And unfortunately, that's also keeping people out of care. Dr. Pierre, I mentioned in my intro about the 90-90-90 treatment target to help reduce the spread of AIDS. So tell us a little bit about this plan and how realistic is it? Of course. So 1990-90 was a concept that was created originally by the UN, uh, United Nations Program on HIV and AIDS in 2013. Um, and as you mentioned at the intro, it's about getting 90% of people living with HIV tested and aware of their status, getting 90% of those on antiretroviral therapy and 90% of those on treatment with complete virologic suppression, meaning that they have undetectable viral loads meaning that they cannot transmit to their partners. Um, and this goal was created in the mind with, with the view of having the elimination of HIV transmission, the complete elimination of HIV transmission, and creating the first AIDS-free generation by the year 2030. So it is very ambitious. Um, however, we really do believe that it is feasible. It's important information. And Dr. Pierre, tell us about the quality of infectious disease care offered at Boston Medical Center. 
Well, I'm obviously a little bit biased, um, but we have a wonderful system in the Infectious Disease Care Center. We offer, we, we, we view ourselves as a medical home for those patients living with HIV and AIDS. We have case management. We have access right in our clinic to um, specialized providers. Um, we have psychiatry. We have substance use providers. We have many groups of people who come together to provide excellent, comprehensive health care for our patients. Um, many people think that we're just HIV. We're not. We also offer care in many different areas um, for other chronic infectious diseases, hepatitis B, hepatitis C, um, other viral and bacterial diseases or infections, um, infections in other immunocompromised populations, as well as um, offering care for travelers. Um, but we have access to um, and care right in our clinic um, you know, to world-class physicians who are leaders in research and advocacy in their field. Um, we have knowledgeable and experienced nurses, case managers, as I've already mentioned, um, and a host of other supportive staff. So we have amazing care. And that's actually supported by our high patient satisfaction scores that we receive. Um, so as I said, I've, I'm, I'm very partial, but um, I think that we have a very unique setup in our clinic, different from many other places in Boston, um, where we have access to all of these amazing resources right in our clinic. And Paul, tell us about your role as the program manager, as point person or point of care person for patients as they're tested and receive their results. Sure. So I think we have a, a really unique perspective here, as as Dr. Pierre was saying at Boston Medical Center. So um, as the um, as the person who does all the intakes, who conducts all the intakes for people who are new to care, people who are reengaging in care, or people who are newly diagnosed, I think one of the um, special things that happens here is um, it be, it's very personal. Um, as a person living with HIV, I get to meet the people. I get to tell them their diagnosis. But at the same time, I also get to tell them my story. So many people who enter here here or who are entering here for the first time um, come with a great deal of, of, of fright and of uh, anxiety. And, um, you know, there's still, again, we talked earlier about the stigma. We talk about, um, you know, life expectancy. So I think my role here is very personal. My goal here is to keep people in care, um, to re-engage as many people as possible, and also to make sure that newly diagnosed people are entered into care here. So um, telling my personal story, listening to their story, um, telling my personal story, um, and actually seeing a little bit of their reaction change when they go like, ah, I can live my life, I can have my dreams, I can still do what I want to do. And part of what I do is I do what we call an assessment acuity, where we find out where people fall in the, are they a high acuity? Do they need a lot of services? Are they basic uh, acuity? Uh, are they, you know, moderate acuity? So we do, as Dr. Pierce says, we do everything here. I make sure that they're, um, they have a, a medical appointment with an ID doctor within two weeks um, and any other things they need. They have their own nurse. They have their own medical case manager. Um, and so we follow, uh, you know, my role is to follow those folks through the care process to make sure they make their first appointment, to make sure they make their second appointment, and also to link them in with our, if they need intensive case management, to, to hook them up with a team of people who will help them um, achieve what their goals are, as well as helping uh, keep them into care. 
So, Dr. Pierre, tell us a little bit about World AIDS Day, December 1st, and what do you see as the need for active research and development of com- community-friendly interventions? Give us a summary. Wrap it up for us, what you'd like everyone to know about advances in HIV care and AIDS and this 90-90-90 treatment target. Okay. Well, that's kind of a tall order. Um, it is. I'm trying to wrap everything all together. Uh, well, World AIDS Day, um, you know, it was actually came about in the early nine, in the early eighties, um, and it was actually the first World Health Day um, ever to be celebrated. Um, and it wanted to call attention to the issue of AIDS and the importance of getting tested. And over the years, that focus has changed. Um, it's changed from getting tested, acknowledging the disease, to removing stigma. Um, to focusing on the rights of those with HIV. And now finally, it's moved towards the view that we can eliminate, eradicate HIV transmission and, again, create the world's first AIDS-free generation. Um, we have a long way to get... We have a little bit of ways to get to the goal of eradicating stigma um, and getting to uh, the world's first AIDS-free um, generation. Again, we believe it's achievable, Part of the research that needs to get into, go into that is, um, well, a lot of social research and getting people tested, um, removing stigma in communities, um, also in how to address healthcare disparities that keep certain people disenfranchised, um, keep them away from health insurance, um, from comprehensive centers of care where they can receive patient-friendly, patient-centered care. Um, there are certain populations that we know we're missing. Um, for example, black men who have sex with men, um, how do we engage those communities um, when they've seen themselves as disenfranchised and stigmatized? So there's a bit of work that needs to go still into testing, linkage, and retention. Um, But we are doing some of that research right here on campus, and of course it's going on all over the world. Um, Of course, the ultimate research is working on a cure for HIV, um, and there is some preliminary work going on in that field that has been really promising. I tell my patients, and this may sound irresponsible, but I don't believe it is, and many of my colleagues feel the same way, we believe that there will be a cure in our generation. And so that's obviously the ultimate research goal. But for the time being, we know that the tools that we have at our disposal, the antiretroviral, they do work. And if a patient is on these medications and undetectable, they cannot transmit the HIV. So that's really exciting. And Paul, last word to you on World AIDS Day. Let the listeners know what you'd like them to know about this very important awareness day. So World AIDS Day um, started in 1998, um, and it's really a reminder uh, to everybody, to people, to government, um, that this illness has not gone away, that it's still here, that we still need to do a lot of work. There still needs to be a lot more research, a lot more funding. Um, and really, World AIDS Day also helps raise awareness of the HIV epidemic that um, shows support for people living with HIV, and it also commemorates those who have died um, of HIV. Um, and here at Boston Medical Center, we are um, celebrating World AIDS Day on Wednesday, December 6th, uh, from 10 to 12.45 p.m. Uh, with a celebration, we'll have uh, many of our uh, community vendors um, we will be honoring um, uh, Dr. Al Di Maria, who will be our keynote speaker as well for the event. Um, Dr. Pierre will also be a keynote speaker. Um, and so we want to just invite as many people to come as possible to help us celebrate our successes um, as well as 
uh, the work that we still need to continue to do. Thank you both of you for being with us today. And thank you so much for all your hard work. This is Boston Med Talks with Boston Medical Center. For more information, you can go to bmc.org. That's bmc.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.